The Daily Rios for Tuesday, April 2nd, 2013. From October 29th, 2009, this is a rebroadcast of The Tower, episode number two. And it just happens to be April 2nd. See that? April 2nd, episode two. Last week, the first Tower episode featured a look at New Teen Titans, the preview from DC Comics Presents 26, and that episode dropped on March 26. Spooky. Okay, so this is a free-for-all episode, and I explain why at the top, so I won't go into it here. I use the free form to give some feedback from that time for the previous episode, uh, which was Tower Episode 1, including some familiar names, which you're going to hear. Uh, I talk about the buzz for the Titans Games hardcover, which at that time still hadn't been released. By the way, in the show notes, I'm going to include a link to Longbox Podcast episode number 29, Longbox Review Podcast episode 29, where Eric invited me on to talk about the Titans Games original graphic novel once it had shipped. This is from uh, last year we recorded that episode. And then I finish out Tower Episode 2 with uh, something that will eventually make its way to the Daily Rios, where I take a look at my autobiographical um, chronology of purchasing comics. Not ones that were handed to me, not ones that were bought for me, but those that I picked off the shelf myself, starting way back in late uh, 1982. So you'll hear about the first three comics I ever pulled off a rack by myself. Now, since this episode is years old, going back to 2009, you're going to hear some news about the comic forums, you're going to hear a tease for the crisis tapes, uh, I mentioned a few websites and old phone numbers that are no longer in use, uh, I talk about some comics that came out at the time, and other things. So, just turn your brain back to October 2009 and enjoy The Tower Episode 2. Comic Geek Speak presents The Tower, Episode 2, A Tale of Two Cities. Welcome to The Tower, Episode 2. This is your host, Peter Rios, and I've lost my notes. So this episode, number two, I'm just going to wing it. This is like the terrible twos. Of course this episode would go wrong. Well, the reason why I said call this the tale of two cities is because, for those of you who don't know, I live in Philadelphia, but the CGS studio and the CGS crew and the CGS podcast was is all f based out of Reading, Pennsylvania, which is about, uh, oh, I'd say about 60-some miles away from Philadelphia. And somewhere in my two-bedroom apartment that I share with a roommate, somewhere on my desk in my room, is a pile of papers. And on the top of the list, top of one of those pages, it probably says... Uh, Tower Episode 2 Show Notes. That's where that episode is today. <laughs> and I'm sitting here with um, without them. So, um, all good, you know, all fine. This this uh, is not an issue-by-issue issue podcast yet, uh, you know. So, 
we're just going to do some other things. And I'll save that episode for an episode um, that actually will make more sense with what I wanted to do. All right. So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to kick off this episode with some feedback from episode one of The Tower. Let me start off by saying that if you go to the forums, you go to the CGS forums, thecomicforums.com, and you click on Comic Geek Speak Podcast, you'll notice that we've rearranged the subforms for the Comic Geek Speak Podcast. We've merged all the spinoff podcasts into one subform called the CGS Spinoff Form. So you can click on that. And when you click on CGS Spinoff Form, you will see a whole set of other subforms, including uh, the Tower. So now the Tower has its own form where I will post all the episode talkbacks. And that's really all that's going to be in that form is going to be the episode talkbacks. You're not actually going to be allowed to start new topics based on Titans or anything like that. I want all the all the discussion on all the feedback and all the information all to go into an episode thread um, for a majority of reasons. One, because I moderate a lot of the, the CGS forum and it's hard to bounce back and forth, but uh, also just keeps all the information sort of in one spot. Um, so maybe if this podcast gets, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of listeners and we have some and they feel like they want to talk some Titans, then we'll open up the forum a little bit. But for now, we're just going to stick to episode threads. So with that in mind, I have some feedback from episode one. Episode one was a look at the 16-page preview of the new Teen Titans in DC Comics and some other things as well. Uh, first up here, JD74 says, I agree with you about being a huge Dick Grayson fan. I've always loved the character. I remember reading about Dick when I first read my uncle's comics. I would read Batman and Detective Comics from the 60s, and I've read Dick Grayson's first appearance in the hardcover trade called Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder from the 30s to the 70s. I've always liked the character because he was capable enough to hang out with Batman and Superman, and then he went and joined the Teen Titans. And the character grew and evolved into Nightwing, and it has been a good thing to see a character develop from a young boy to a young man, like we've seen with Dick Grayson. And it's cool to know that there is someone else who is a huge fan of the character and not just Robin or Nightwing. Yep, that is very true. I am very much a fan of Dick Grayson. In the, boy, almost 30 years that I've been reading him now. And uh, I look forward to more. Uh, all right, Chris Beckett, he says, On the Paris front, you threw up that Paris YouTube blurb and stated that georgeparis.com wasn't a working site anymore. I expect you typed in georgeparis.com. If so, you're heading down the wrong site. It's actually still going. A fan site fully authorized by Param. Paris that is constantly updated, and if you scroll down, the sidebar sidebar on the right has upcoming works. The site is www.george-perez.com. There you go, and I have been to that site. It is um, very informative. They have updates on anything that he's working on, uh, um, constant art updates of new sketches that people are getting at conventions or pages that turn up or covers, etc., and just a, a look at a lot of the collections that are coming out that might have Perez artwork. So that's george-perez.com. Chris continues, What is with the pricing for the new DC Comics Classic Library JLA hardcover? 
$40 for six issues? Seriously? I love Perez, but I've already got four or five reader copies of these issues. I don't need an overpriced hardcover. End short rant. I had a chance to look at that hardcover. Shane brought it in. Actually, Shane, one of my co-hosts on Comic Geek Speak, um, he's a huge Justice League fan, and he brought in this hardcover, uh, This what they're calling the DC Comics Classic Library. And I'm a little conflicted about it myself. I can see why they were sort of analogous to what Marvel does with their visionaries. You know, they'll have Thor visionaries by by Walt Simonson, a whole set of trades of just like Walt Simonson's work or John Byrne's Fantastic Four or Frank Miller's Daredevil. I, I looked at it and it felt awfully thin. I can understand that maybe sometimes older work is harder to reproduce or if not harder, just um, it takes a little more care to reproduce the, that quality work because maybe the computer coloring at the time wasn't that great or for whatever reason. Files might have been damaged or, again, for whatever reason. But I am I was really not impressed with uh, with that package and it, uh, it, it really did. I, I have to agree. It seemed a little overpriced and uh, so I, I almost have to question that. Now, if I find it cheaply, I'll, I'd pick it up, but uh, it's not something that I would rush to get. So, Chris, I do agree with you. I th- I'm not quite sure their understanding on that. So maybe uh, maybe someone out there will link to an interview or something, or maybe they have more information because uh, it's not the it's, it doesn't really didn't excite me. I'm sort of glad I didn't order it. And uh, let's see. This is from C Towner One. Uh, this is Lenny. He says, I recall reading the New Teen Titan insert in DC Comics Presents. I'm pretty sure it was the inclusion of a comic with George Perra's artwork, which hooked me into it. I enjoyed his work since his original Avengers run with Steve Englehart around around Avengers 145 or so. I don't think I was buying many DC Comics back then, so I figured I'd just check it out the first issue, the first issues of New Teen Titans solely because of the artwork. By around issue seven or so, I realized that it was one of the best comics on the stands. And lastly, Darkane says, nice ep. It brings back childhood memories of reading the series. So, very cool. Thank you for all that feedback. And as I said, you can go to thecomicforums.com. Look for the CGS form. Look for the spinoff forms. And then, boom, there you go. You'll see the tower. And I'll include that in the show notes. By the way, not only can you post on the form, but you can also send uh, a voicemail if you want. Just send it to the CGS voicemail line and i'll bring it on over here to future tower episodes and that phone number is 215-279-8839 there was some news that came out of baltimore comic-con recently they had a george perez panel and he talked about a whole bunch of things obviously but one of the things that he talked about was that once again the marv wolfman george george perez New Teen Titans graphic novel called Games is actually back on track for the 30th anniversary, which would be 2010, of the New Teen Titans. The first issue of the original New Teen Titans series has a cover date of November of 1980. So next year would be the 30th anniversary. And this original graphic novel, which is set... I believe sometime around when the title New Teen Titans of the Baxter run became just New Titans. 
The reason I say that is because Wonder Girl, I'm pretty sure, is in her Troya identity, which she would have received after the Who is Wonder Girl five-issue story arc that kicked off Perez's return to the New Teen Titans, and that's when they uh, rebranded it just uh, to be New Titans. So this is – and then at one point it was – there were about 30 pages drawn, and then I think Rob Liefeld got a hold of them and, and because the, the project was canceled or put aside. And, and then they were going to bring it back, and they were going to create this sort of bookend um, front and uh, – like this prologue and this epilogue that sort of would bookend it into history and, and, and tell tell like an unknown tale. And then that idea was scrapped, and I think that was like a few years back. And now, once again, we're getting rumblings that – they want to put this game's graphic novel out. And Paris is pretty adamant. He's like, you know, hey, we can't make it come out any later than 2010 because then the anniversary doesn't mean anything. If it comes out in 2011, well, then that's not really an anniversary. So um, uh, the first 30 pages are, are completed, and hopefully we can get some more. And he's currently working on it on the rest of the pages with inker Mike Perkins, who you may know from current issues of Captain America or, or the recent Captain America run, but also from Marvel's all um, adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand. So um, so that should be cool. Uh, it's supposed to be a 120-page story. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a lost tale featuring the new Teen Titans. And uh, I'm not exactly sure how, how it'll be received. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who... You, they may know of the Titans. They even may know of the Wolfman Perez Titans, but it's they're not readily available, especially not in trades. Um, so maybe for curiosity factor, people who are kind of kind of aware of the of the game's project might want to get it, but I'm not sure. So for longtime fans like myself, yeah, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to love it. It's going to sit on my shelf proudly. So it'll be interesting to see how they market it. And if 2010 is the anniversary, the 30th anniversary of the New Teen Titans, I have to imagine that DC is going to go all out. They're sort of playing fast and loose with the Titans part of the DC universe right now. It's it's uh, it's in a real sort of state of flux that that I can't honestly say is is wowing me or many of the other people that I talk to. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do, especially when you think about, okay, Dick Grayson in the DC Universe right now is Batman, and Troya, I mean, Donna Troy is still around, but not in anywhere too majorly, and Kid Flash is, is goes by Flash, and, and the Flash Rebirth series isn't done just yet, so we're not quite sure what's going to happen with him. Um, Starfire and Cyborg are in the Titans right now, Beast Boy although he used to go by Changeling 30 years ago. Uh, he's in the Titans, and of course Raven is, but Raven is like really young right now, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they do that, uh, how they do that 30th anniversary and what they do. Maybe we'll get those trades that we're always looking for. That would be awesome. There was supposed to be the Judas Contract DVD, anim- directed DVD animation uh, that didn't, it, it was announced but never never surfaced, and that's on hold. So next year's uh, 30th anniversary plans Hopefully will be fun and exciting um, and bring a spotlight back to the new Teen Titans, which, you know, it's just really deserved at this point. So, DC, get on the ball. Coming soon. The red skies are just the beginning. Two iPods across the multiverse. The threat 
is a wave of antimatter that moves between universes. A Footnotes production you dare not miss. Please, monitor, stop me from hurting you. You know I can't do that, Lila. My name is Harbinger. Worlds will live. Barry? Half to keep running. Worlds will die. Time to save the world. Ah. Iris. CGS presents The Crisis Tapes. Supergirl! Save Superman. You understand? The Transformer! You've got to just do as I say! To turn in the midst of battle! That is a fatal mistake! The CGS podcast will never be the same. That's right. If you're a Perez fan, in the especially during the 80s, chances are you picked up Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC. <clears throat> so what does that have to do with uh, a Titans podcast? Uh, not, not not too much, but um, that's just a little promo that I created because Murd and I, Murd is another co-host from the Comic Geek Speak podcast, we are going to take a footnotes look at the Crisis on Infinite Earths. The series, but it's going to be not issue by issue. It's going to be huge. It's going to be sprawling. We're going to talk about why why we were drawn to this series. Um, um, you know, I was reading it at the time. I think Murd picked it up later in his comic reading um, career. But you know, what did it have? What effect did it have on the DC universe? Why did they choose to do that? What what about all those multiverses that existed before and after the crisis? Um, we're going to look at the series. We're going to look at the tie-ins. We're going to look at the creators. Uh, it's just going to be a huge, sprawling uh, spin-off podcast. And, um, you know, it, it, who knows how long it'll go. Um, you know, we could spend episodes on just one issue alone if we really wanted to. And um, I doubt you'll hear many guests on that show because Murd and I have such a, uh, not only a love for those series, but uh, also... Um, uh, just a, um, an in-depth knowledge of it. Um, you know, we really tend to go really deep into our comic reading, and that's one of the series that we can do that, not only in a historical sense, but a publishing sense, and uh, even, you know, on some level on, on a very, you know, academic sense, too. Um, so look for that. We should be f uh, recording that first episode fairly shortly, in about another, you know, hopefully in, in sometime in the next month. Um, but, uh, look for that in, um, those announcements either on the forum or the CGS podcast itself. All right. Just a few other things this, um, for this episode, um, I wanted to take a look at, uh, comics that were, sh that shipped on October 28th. Um, for me, that's tomorrow, but as you're hearing this, might, that might've been a few days ago. And basically just uh, any comic that I think uh, touches on anything that has to do with the Titans. Of course, Batman 692, and that is uh, Dick Grayson in the role of Batman. It also is the return of Tony Daniel, not only in the art, but as writer. And you may recognize his name from the Battle for the Cow miniseries. Doesn't exactly excite me. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll give it a chance. And the little blurb here is... Um, with Batman pounding the pavement in search of Black Mask, Penguin on the run, and the completion of the new Arkham Asylum looming close, Gotham City has reached a boiling point. Guest starring Catwoman and the Huntress and featuring the return of Gotham City's most notorious crime family. Uh, 
So that is Batman 692. Over in the Superman books, we have the world's finest miniseries, four-issue miniseries. Number one is out, written by Sterling Gates, art by Julian Lopez, cover by Phil Noto. This says, after tracking down a threat to the Man of Steel, Red Robin must team up with the new Kryptonian Nightwing to end this mysterious threat and rescue Flamebird. But, it is, but is all this just a red herring to distract the heroes from an even bigger threat to Gotham City and new Krypton? Be here to find out in this four-issue miniseries. Obviously, the names Nightwing and Flamebird are very Titans-related, Titans West. Uh, Nightwing, of course, being Dick Grayson's current ide- uh, past identity. Red Robin is Tim Drake, who was at one time a member of the Jeff Johns Teen Titans. Uh, so um, a lot of you know little connections here, but I thought if anybody's interested in that, they might want to check that out. In the Teen Titans line, we have Teen Titans 76, written by Felicia D. Henderson, with uh, a co-feature written by Sean McKeever. And then the artwork is Joe Bennett and Jack Jadson, and the co-feature art is by Yildire Sinar and Julio Ferreira. And this is guest-starring Beast Boy and Raven. With the Teen Titans unraveling at the seams, two former members must return to Titan's Tower to help Wonder Girl right the sinking ship. If only it were that easy. And in the Ravager second feature, Rose encounters a horrific black market, and she deals with it the only way she knows how, with blood. I am woefully behind on my Teen Titans reading, and not really sure when I'm going to catch up. But uh, again, uh, as I said earlier, not a series that's really thrilling me at the moment, but there you go. And lastly, we have to talk about... Blackest Night, Titans, 3 of 3, issue 3 of 3. This is by J.T. Kroll with art and cover by Ed Bennis. And there's a variant cover by George Perez. So first, uh, the issue itself. With their backs against the walls of a battered Titans tower, the few remaining Titans face their dead former teammates who have now become Black Lanterns. Meanwhile, one Titan discovers a secret weapon, but at what price? The original cover has a shot of the female dove But the variant cover is an awesome homage to New Teen Titans issue 30, the original New Teen Titans issue 30, back when Wolfman and Perez were drawing the book, or creating the book. That was an issue where Changeling brings in Terra into the group, the New Teen Titans, and on the cover she's sort of standing there, and she has this circle of of rocks uh, above and around her, and connected onto these rocks are, are the various new Teen Titans members sort of holding on and looking down on her and smiling. And also built out of rocks is the logo itself of the new Teen Titans and Changeling is sort of attached to it as a koala bear. It's a pretty cool cover. It's also the cover of one of the trades uh, called uh, Terra Incognito, which introduced Terra into the whole Titans universe. And uh, so the Blackest Night issue three variant is an homage to that. And it again has Terra in the middle on it's by Perez, and behind her is the West Coast Titans Tower, the current West Coast Titans Tower. And she has that same sort of rock formation around her, but instead of the original New Teen Titans, she has members of the, of the Titans that have died over the years. So just like Changeling was sort of holding onto the logo up above, now it's uh, Wildebeest 
uh, a small version of Wildebeest. He, it's a character that uh, is small, and then when he gets enraged, he, he gets larger. And um, he's in place of where Changeling is. On the original cover where Robin is, that's actually where uh, a deceased Black Lantern Hawk is. Where Cyborg is sitting, we have Phantasm, uh, the Danny Chase character from the t around the Titans Hunt era. Where Starfire is sort of sprawling out. And the original cover is Panther. And that's actually kind of interesting because Starfire, she's an alien, and her, her race is actually evolved from um, uh, a breed of cats. So it's kind of funny that Perez put Panther in that same sort of position. There's a loose, loose tie there. And then where Wonder Girl is on the original cover, we have Tula or Aqualad, or excuse me, Aqua Girl, who died in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. So she's sort of in the same pose there. Where Raven is on the original cover, on this new variant cover, is Lilith, or uh, she also goes by Omen. And she was a, a Teen Titans member, Teen, Teen Titans West member. And they both share similar abilities. You know, They're both sort of mystics and things like that. So it makes sense to sort of combine them. And where Kid Flash is, that's actually where Aqualad is on the variant cover. And he just recently died in Blackest Night number one. So, and they all have, what's kind of interesting, they all have uh, Black Lantern rings, and Paris has drawn them in such a way that their hand is, it's not really glowing, but it's sort of like a negative effect. So it's kind of cool, kind of interesting. So I'm probably going to have to look out for that variant. Who knows how much it costs, but maybe I'll find it in some back issue bins down the way. Um, I read the first issue of the Blackest Night Titans miniseries, and it was okay. Um, the good thing I like about these miniseries is, you know, you don't really need them to read to understand the, the main event. You know, the Blackest Night Titans, Blackest Night Superman, Blackest Night Batman so far have just been ancillary, ancillary tie-ins that if you want to get great, if not, that's okay too. Um, um, it's just a way to sort of show how other characters that really maybe aren't that important to the Blackest Night story are being affected by um, their deceased uh, teammates or, or lovers or friends or whatever. But man, I, I really love the Blackest Night design though. And especially when they sort of morph it into whatever design, uh, they sort of morph it to whatever the, the deceased character's costume is, like Aqualad's character uh, his his costume is Blackest Night, but uh, you know it has all those like swirly uh, white image white areas that on his Tempest costume would probably be black. Um, uh, you know, Phantasm is has his ragged you know outfit, but with some Black Knight touches and Blackest Night touches, Black Lantern touches really. But uh, it's just cool. I just love the designs, and they get really creative. So uh, that's that's pretty awesome. So look for those comics if you're into some if you need a Titans fix you can look for all that stuff on the shelf. And finally just to close this episode out um while I was poking around at comicbookdb.com uh, it's a date cuz it's the comic book database it just has uh, tons and tons of entries of your favorite comics and more. You can do searches by titles, by creators, by characters, by month, by cover dates by story arcs, by events. 
it's just a just a fantastic resource. So I was just browsing around, and then I I wanted to go back and take a look at um, what were the comics that I remembered pulling off the shelf myself as a kid. I used to get comics from uh, my uncle who used to, who gave me this huge beer box full of comics and. Most of them were from the farmer's market, so they had the covers ripped off, half, half the top half of the covers ripped off. And um, there were a lot of superhero stuff in there, a lot of Marvel, some uh, – and then the rest were sort of like DC and some Archie and Richie Rich and things like that. Um, so he got me those. Uh, my family used to get me a lot of Richie Rich comic books uh, as a kid. Those I used to read all the time. And then there was a mom-pop store down the corner, and I used to go in and buy some comics. Who knows where I was getting the money from? And um, there were just three that I sort of remember, and I, I might still have them. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, these are these are the first three comics I've ever read that I actually purchased myself, and they're the earliest superhero comics that that sort of kicked off uh, my habit. Um, and, uh, the three of them are all cover date of January, 1983. So that means that they probably came out around November of 1982, I would think. So I'm going on 27 years of collecting, um, myself, you know, reading. I, I, I can't really say collecting. I'll just say reading. And those first three comics that I got... And again, now they might, even though they have the same cover date, they might, one might have come out one week before the other. I'm not quite sure, but they were Captain Carrot and his Amazing Zoo Crew, issue 11. And this is by E. Nelson Bridwell, Roy Thomas, penciler by it was Stan Goldberg, inker was Al Gordon, colorist Tom Zuko, uh, letterer Carrie McCarthy, editor was Roy Thomas, and the cover artist was Scott Shaw. And if you don't know what the Captain Carrot and his Amazing Zoo Crew is, um, they are. Uh, an anthropomorphic superhero team on Earth C in the DC universe, in the multiverse. And actually, their preview before the series before the series kicked off, they had a 16-page preview that was actually in a New Teen Titans issue. I think New Teen Titans issue 16. I talk about it in episode one of the Tower. So this story is the Was Wolf's Night to Howl. So since this this uni- this universe is populated by animals. Um, instead of a human becoming a werewolf, in this universe, a wolf becomes a human. And they call him, instead of a werewolf, they call him a was-wolf. So it's really kind of a play on words, and it's just silly. Uh, but a lot of fun, just so creative and imaginative. And you know, especially for my little, uh, let's see, November of 1982, I was 10 years old. So, um, you know, this captured my imagination as a kid. And it just was a fun, fun book. And I was so just so enamored with the characters and the silliness. And uh, the last issue of this run, which I believe is issue 20, would actually feature Changeling from the New Teen Titans. He crossed over into that universe. So there is definitely a Titans connection there. So that was the first one. And I would definitely continue on with that series, eventually picking it, picking up uh, future issues. Um, I think I finished collecting that series a couple of years back, got some issues I missed and I haven't sat down to read them all, but such a great fun series and is uh, something that, you know, I, I just love comics like this, characters like this, everything from Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham 
obviously to all the Captain Carrot stuff. And there was the recent Captain Carrot miniseries called uh, Captain Carrot and the Final Arc, I believe it was. So, uh, so that was one. And that was a DC book. And then there was another DC book, uh, and it was Justice League of America, issue 210. And this was written by Jerry Conway. The art was uh, Rich Buckler. Inker was Romeo Tangle, and who was a inker on New Teen Titans, so there's definitely a connection there. Colorist Tim Zuko, just like uh, Captain Carrot. Letterer was John Costanza. Editor, John Costanza. Editor was Len Wayne. And the cover was by Rich Buckler and Mike DiCarlo. Um, the cover of this one is, uh, just all the lead, uh, Justice League of America standing around a globe of the earth and it's sort of shaking and rattling and, and, and the, the blurb is even the world's greatest heroes are helpless when a world dies screaming. And uh, I don't exactly remember, I think there were aliens involved in this issue, but for the longest time, I, I mean, I, I read this issue so much. I tore it up. I absolutely, it was, I tore it to shreds. And I had to buy a replacement copy. But uh, this was another one where once I picked this up, I would continue on and picking up the Justice League. And uh, there were some, I had just missed the Perez stuff, but he would eventually come back and do some covers. And, um, you know, another 20 issues or so after this was the the change up into Justice League Detroit. So, um but I would eventually go back and collect a lot of the Justice League run, including those Perez issues that we talked about earlier in this episode that are included in that library hardcover edition. So um, so that was another one. And, you know, these are all characters I'm familiar with. You know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Um, probably didn't really know who Red Tornado was or Black Canary or even Elongated Man. And, uh, you know, so or, you know, Phantom Stranger is in this issue, The Atom. This was some good, some good comics. Uh, uh, I remember as a, again as a kid, you know, who how can you go wrong with the iconic characters? So, this is definitely another series I stayed with. And the last issue that I have from this time is Marvel Team Up issue one twenty five, and this one is by Jam Jam DiMatteis, penciler by Kerry Gamble, uh, inker was Mike Esposito, colorist was Bob Sharon. Letter was Diana Albers, and the editors were Tom DeFalco and Jim Shooter, and the cover artist was Frank Gio, uh, John Romita Jr. and Frank uh, Giacoa, I believe you say. And there was also a backup story in here called um, Crossfire, and that was by Mary Jo Duffy and pencils by Carrie Gamble. But the, and the backup story featured Doctor Strange, Scarlet, and Scarlet Witch. The front story features Spider-Man and Tigra, and um, I believe this is where Tigra is uh, she's working for a burger joint, a burger company, and um, or maybe Spider-Man is at the beginning of the story. I forget. One of them is. And um, they're interrupted by uh, a character that's in Tigra's past who blames her for the death of his brother, I think. And uh, um, just a sort of fun, silly um, Story similar to like any other story where there's like, you know, confusion and, and someone being accused of something that they weren't really responsible for. And the backup story was this uh, Doctor Strange Scarlet Witch story where this alien from another dimension pops into um, wherever they're at. And of course, he doesn't speak English, so everybody thinks he's a monster, but actually he just really just wants to get back home and they find a way to get him back home. I didn't go on to collect Marvel Team Up much after this. Uh, at least not the next couple issues, but I would eventually return to it. 
and and keep getting it all the way to the end of that series. But uh, um, you know, could be why I have a, a little soft spot for Tigra is because of this issue. So yeah, that was the first Marvel book that I can remember picking up. So those three comics uh, again from cover date of January nineteen eighty three. Um, were the first three superhero books I remember getting myself. Uh, eventually, soon after this, I would get my first new Teen Titans issue, and that was the issue that really cemented my comic reading. So I thought that'd be a l- nice little trip down memory lane. I might do more of those. I might even go month to month and just sort of map out my my comic chronology, my personal comic chronology, sort of like in uh, High Fidelity where he breaks up with his girlfriend and he goes back to his apartment and he pulls out all of his record collection and he's like, you know, I'm not going to rearrange these alphabetically. I'm not going to even do it uh, chronologically. I'm going to do it based on how I bought those records autobiographically. And uh, I think he said there was something very um, comforting in that. So maybe I'll do that every now and then I'll, I'll come back to my personal timeline of comics. All right, I think that's enough for this episode. If for some reason you were attracted to my ramblings, go check out peterjohnrios.blogspot.com where I uh, occasionally post whatever I'm thinking about during that day. Sometimes it's about comics, sometimes it's about myself, sometimes it's about podcasting, sometimes it's about the comic uh, hobby itself. Um, Right now, if you go over to... Uh, peterjohnrios.blogspot.com typing it in at this moment Uh, the first thing I have up there is um, sort of the reaction to all the craziness that's going on between Big Apple Con and New York Comic Con and uh, so you can go ahead and check it that it's nothing real long it's just a a link to some uh, when that news uh, hit Um, if you you can also follow me on Twitter if you are on Twitter, twitter.com slash R is my handle there. So you can uh, follow me there and just um, really get a sense of the inane ramblings that I throw out there um, every day. I'm not one of those people that I, I don't post like every five minutes. You know, maybe I do two or three a day, not even. But, uh, uh, you know, just go on there and, and check it out if that's uh, of any interest. Coming up in future episodes of The Tower, next issue, next episode, I'm going to take a look at New Teen Titans number one. I might even do some more in-depth character profiles. Uh, For episode four, I might do the in-depth profiles for the new characters in New Teen Titans, the new ones that that Marv Wolfman, Perez, and company created, Changeling, Starfire, Cyborg, and Raven, so... Um, since those are the four new ones, and that is episode four, it seems logical. And then we'll go on and go on episode by episode and see where my my crazy whims and ramblings take me. So thank you very much for joining me again for this episode. Again, go uh, join the talkback thread, post some post your feedback there, or give a phone call. And uh, we, I thank you very much. Have a safe Halloween, and I will talk to you later. <laughs>